We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Armchair Americans. This is officially episode 48, a bonus podcast, if you will, a uh, special episode that we have with a very, very special guest. No Thomas Floyd today, but like I said, going to get to our special guest in just a second. Uh, before we do that, be sure to go online. If you haven't done so yet, not what you what, not sure what you're doing yet, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet, be sure to go online. Rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up Show, iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your media, wherever you can consume your podcast, be sure to check us out there. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts, Twitter, at Armchair S Car. It's going to be at Armchair S-C-A-R. We're also on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. And of course, again, like I mentioned, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair Americans. Please be sure to go check us out on armchairamericans.com for all your latest breaking Gamecock news and coverage there. Like I mentioned, we do have a very, very special guest as I was talking a little bit before the show. Uh, we give a lot of shine, uh, a lot of love, if you will, to the main sports, uh, baseball, football, basketball, but uh, something that I know is dear to my heart has been in the line my little bit is golf. So we've got the Gamecocks uh, men heads golf coach, Bill McDonald on the show. Bill, again, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to dive into obviously, you know, some Gamecocks golf, kind of a little bit more about you, you know, obviously just kind of the life of a college golf coach. But, you know, I want to start with what happened a couple of weeks ago with our our country's national championship, if you will, with the U.S. Open that was played at Shinnecock Hills. Um, I guess the first question I have that a lot of people have had, and, you know, it's been discussed a ton since it happened, but uh, what on earth was Phil Mickelson thinking when he hit the ball while it was moving on the uh, 11th hole at Shinnecock? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm not sure I really want to know. I mean, I've, I think we've all been been that frustrated playing golf where you kind of lose your mind. Um it was, it was really a shame to see it. It, you know, it overshadowed some, some great golf by Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. It was, uh, it was overall really, a um, an interesting week. I think the golf course was, um, was on Saturday. It was really a shame. It was the way it was set up that the USGA sort of lost it. And I think, I think what you saw with Mickelson was a combination of, um, some frustration, obviously he was well over par at that point and out of the championship. And I think he, he, um, he, he, he blacked out maybe a little bit, got a little, little ticked off and, uh, like we all can. And then I think he, what was disappointing for me was, was his reaction in the sense that he wasn't that apologetic about it. He was, he was, uh, claiming that he, 
was trying to use the rules and me and I think a lot of golf fans. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think for sure that a lot of amateur golfers have been there. But yeah, really, really weird just kind of set of circumstances. I know, like you said, he wasn't really apologetic after the round. But a couple of days later, I think maybe maybe came to a senses, probably got a little bit of, you know, some wiser words and uh, cooler heads prevailing in his ear. And obviously, I think he realized it was the smart thing to do to apologize. But, you know, you mentioned something really interesting about that golf tournament. Um, you know, the USGA losing control of Shinnecock. We obviously saw, you know, or most, I think most of us saw the interview that Zach Johnson had when he said that directly. Um, saw some tweets from some former Gamecock golfers, Wesley Bryan and Kyle Thompson. Um, they, you know, a lot of golfers really on social media kind of voicing their opinions on it. Was, was that your opinion as well, that the USGA sort of failed again at Shinnecock? Or would you think it was just on Saturday? I, I think you can go back quite a few years and say the USGA has failed, failed us uh, for, for quite a number of years now. I was fortunate enough to be at Chambers Bay three years ago with some of our Gamecocks, Mark Silvers and Matt Neesmith. And um, that place was nothing but a joke. And then I was at, yeah. I was at Oakmont with uh, Ryan Stackler, one of our players and, and uh, I bordered on, on that uh, as well. I, I think that they're, to me, it's a shame that they're taking some great golf courses and they're, they're trying to put their stamp on it and protect par, which I, I can understand some of that. But at the same time, it's, uh, it, it's, it's been pretty obvious to me that they, they don't really, they don't really let Mother Nature run its course. You know, if they, if they have an opportunity to dry out a golf course and, and make it extreme, they, they take advantage of that. And I think you saw that in, in the U.S. Open this year, certainly with, um, the Tony Finau and and. Um, Oh gosh, I'm I'm blanking out here a little bit. The guy who, uh, um, the the two guys that were in the final group on Sunday, played five or six hours earlier on Saturday, and I think you saw it uh, mm -hmm. with Tommy Tommy Fleetwood um, shooting 63 on Sunday, a few hours before the leaders. I mean that that to me tells me a golf course is is out of control and is only good in the morning when the, when there's some moisture. Yeah, I agree with you. And, I, you know, it was funny. There were a lot of people that really enjoyed the chaos and thought, you know, well, you know, finally professional golfers get to see the kind of courses, I guess, that maybe like sort of like dog tracks that regular golfers play on. But the way I kind of worded it to some people that I'm friends with is that, you know, I don't know, as someone that plays golf, you know, a pretty good bit and that follows the game and has played my entire life, like I – I don't know, in my opinion, with the USGA and the US Open, what they try to do with that golf tournament, to me, it's, I don't need to see the best in the world struggle as badly as they do to realize how hard the game is. I mean, it's still, you know, we everyone knows how hard golf is, whether they shoot 10 over or 10 under, in my opinion. So I do agree they've gone a little, a little bit over the top, especially with Shinnecock. You'd think after 2004, they would have kind of learned their lesson. But yeah, Saturday was, uh, that, that Saturday was a, uh, uh, I think a failure by the USJ, USGA for sure. But let's move into college golf, obviously, South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, first thing I want to talk about, your new facility. Talk a little bit about uh, you guys have a beautiful brand-new facility, uh, I think right, kind of right by Williams-Rice Stadium behind their uh, their practice facility. Just talk about the new facility, kind of what it means for you guys in the program. Well, it's um, I actually just left there with my son. We've got a, a retention pond in the back of it that we like to – we got a few fish in actually. I don't know how they got there, but um, my son and I like going back there in the evenings and fishing. It's um, technically it's the Husky Dietrich golf practice facility. We call it the the cockpit. It's just down the hill from the new football indoor and um, and football operations um, center going up. It's 
it's an amazing piece of property. It, it, it really, um, you know, for I'm, I'm starting my 13th year here as a coach. So I was the first 10 years that I was here, we obviously didn't have anything like it. it it's so close to campus. You can see Willie B in the, um, in the distance, you can, you know, be down there for a football game and hit a, hit a few balls and then walk up the hill to the game. It's, it's, and that's just the atmosphere of it. The, the actual practical aspect of it is that our players, the way it's designed, it's really designed for players where the green complexes are all three of the major green complexes are very, very different. They're designed to challenge the players with um, how we can tuck pins and we flash bunkers up so that it replicates what we see in tournaments. It's, it's immaculate in its condition. I think it's, uh, it's just an incredible, incredible place for our players. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. You and you mentioned as well, you've been in, you know, coaching college golf for a pretty long time now. Uh, what's kind of a typical day for you as a college golf coach? And I'm sure it differentiates between when you're in season and out of season. How, how much does it differentiate for you? Well, this time of year, the main focus is on recruiting. We're doing a lot of that. And then um, a day in the life, more or less, is during the week when the kids are in school. You know, we have a combination of workouts and practice and qualifying and, and whatever we need to do. Obviously, traveling to tournaments, we play four to five events uh, in the fall. A lot of people don't realize golf is, is a year-round sport in college, so we actually play four or five events in the fall and then uh, five or six in the spring before we have our, what we call our championships championship segment with regionals and hopefully NCAA. So it's a it's basically a 12-month-a-year um, job. It's, it has many aspects to it. I, I love the fact that it's uh, – I always tell people that the kids make my schedule. You don't ever know what's going on. A kid might have a, an issue academically or want to work on their game or maybe want to talk about, you know, something going on in their life. So it, it always has something something uh, unique and, and uh, different going on. And it's, uh, it's a real challenge for me to try to relate to – to 10 or 11 different players, you know, they're, they're all, um, have, you know, golf, we're playing an individual sport, but with a team atmosphere. So as a coach, you're just challenged to try to create that unique environment where they can excel. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I was going to ask one thing I've always been very, very interested in, uh, you know, as far as, like you said, it, the biggest challenge is probably, and I can definitely relate to this is kind of, managing a bunch of different personalities. I think that would probably be the biggest thing. How much of your job would you say is, you know, breaking down the golf swing, you know, breaking down mechanics for players versus more so keeping them all in a good mental state? Because obviously, you know, relating back to what Phil Mickelson did, golf is a game that can beat you down if you let it. How, how much of your game, again, is, is technical versus mental? Well, that's a great question. I mean, sometimes, sometimes improving the technical helps the mental, <laughs> for sure. You right. start hitting the ball better, you feel pretty good about yourself. And and it's a chicken or egg type thing. You know, I, I'd say my background is actually in instruction. I've been a PGA member for a long time. I was a teaching pro before I got into uh, coaching college golf. So I would say, you know, it, every team is a little bit different. I've had some teams where I work with, with a lot of the players, and I've had other teams where I, I'm more of what I would say a game manager or, or, or tournament manager where I'm just trying to help them prepare for events. But there, there's no doubt that if you don't have, um, you know, we get a lot of kids that, that come in. Um, they're obviously the best player at their high school, the best player in the area. They, they come in now they're around um, nine or 10 other guys that are really good. And so 
we try to create a really competitive atmosphere that that brings the best out of everyone but that doesn't always happen i mean golf golf's a brutal sport and and you have to be very tough mentally uh to handle it so um you know i i i try to work a lot with them on just how to prepare for daily life in general i mean how how are you going to handle can you keep your dorm room clean can you get to workouts on time can you get to your class i mean all the things that you expect you know high level college athletes to do but it really is a a challenge and and um i'd say for the most part we've had an incredible uh group of through very supportively um the key mix is having having good kids with character and having parents that have your back when you have to have to apply the foot a little bit absolutely yeah and that kind of moves us into our next point as well you know you talked a lot about recruiting and i'm sure with golf uh, like any other sport, any other collegiate sport, you know, recruiting is going to be kind of your lifeblood, you know, of your program. Um, talk a little about, because, you know, it's really interesting. I'm actually from North Augusta, South Carolina, was surrounded, you know, there are some really good golf programs around that area with USC Aiken being one who's sister school of South Carolina and then Augusta University where uh, Patrick Reed played his college golf. Um, talk about just kind of how the recruiting process works and how do you break up your focus between, because obviously there are tons of great players. I mean, not only in the state of South Carolina, but in the United States and also in the country. I mean, there are a ton of great foreign players as well. How do you break up your focus between the American players and the foreign players and just local players as well overall? Well, I think you, you have, um, you've obviously known Matt Neesmith for a while if you're from that area. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, he's a yeah. he's a great example of someone who everyone in the country wanted him. He's number one rank number one ranked player, and um, but we are we in, in, he was number one ranked player in the country in 2012. But we have we have such a hotbed in general. We're a lot like baseball in that um, southeast and, and overall, it really creates a a, a lot of a lot of talent. Um, not just in South Carolina, but you know Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia. We have players from Tennessee. The, um, the other thing is that, you know, with, with, with men's golf, you, you're seeing a lot more, especially on the mid-major level, you're seeing a lot more um, uh, foreign players. Uh, you see it in women's golf. Uh, golf is a, is, a, is a worldwide sport now, and the talent in, at the junior level is, uh, you know, you can, you can search far and wide. We're very fortunate in that we call it, a, you know, we have a little bit of Palmetto pride here. We're going to start, we're going to try to search out and find all the the South Carolina players we can first and and uh that's the priority and then and but we've had players from California from um you know Sean Kelly who was a great player for us is on the web now he he was from Staten Island New York so it, it's it's just um a lot of times with the recruiting you try to get out and get the brand out there make people make sure people know I went to recruit in Texas a few years ago and they didn't even recognize the logo um <laughs> But I was trying to explain what the block C was. But, you know, you try to do as much of that as you can. But at the same time, there has to be a good mix of, of you know, you want the player and they want to be here too. I mean, it's um, – that's with every sport, I'm sure. But especially with golf, it's a very, um, very small, intimate group of, of players and coaches. And um, you got to really know what you're bringing in, the character of the, the kid and the family, and, um, and then hope for the best. Absolutely. No, absolutely. hundred uh, percent. You know, it's funny. I was watching the, uh, you know, Oklahoma State won the national championship. I think they beat Alabama, I believe, uh, to win the national title in college golf this year. But, you know, it's no secret you've had a ton of success as well. I was, you know, I was reading off some of the statistics. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but just from the Gamecocks online website, I mean, 12 years as head coach, 
Gamecocks have won 21 tournament titles, you know, winning his coach in school history, 11 of 14 best single round team scores uh, are under your tut- uh, tutelage. Uh, eight of the school's all-time top 10 players for lowest scoring average. The accolades go on and on. Um, talk about what's kind of been, you know, your key to success, you know, for your team specifically. And what do you think, uh, what do you think separates maybe the best team in the country or the team that wins the national title versus a team that maybe is just left on the outside looking in? Well, in our sport, well, let me first of all say that I, I, when, when I came to here to coach in 2006, I really had no idea what I was doing. I, I was a teaching pro and I, and I was a pretty good golf instructor, but I wasn't much of a golf coach. And um, I had a great group of kids my first year, Mark Anderson being the primary one and Mark Silvers, George Bryan, the fourth, some of those guys that let me, Wesley Bryan was one of them uh, that was w- with us early on and, and, they really let me learn. Um, a lot, I'm still learning a lot about coaching, but um, the foundation of the program was built on growing the kids and and having a good time, uh, relishing the opportunity to to win an event. You know, be, trying to get in contention on the the back nine and have that opportunity to close out a tournament. That's the goal for every every event. And um, I've been fortunate enough to have some kids, you know, some teams really buy into that. I would say in terms of the difference between the Oklahoma State sometimes and like a team like us this year, which was sort of a borderline top 25, top 30 or 40 team was um, that high score that you count, the fourth or fifth man. It's 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 really hard in our sport when you're playing five guys counting four scores. You better have you better have five players that can win a golf tournament uh, individually if you want to compete for a national championship. That's really the key. The team that we had two years ago that made match play out in Oregon all five of my guys could win any golf tournament we played in. And um, that kind of depth, it really shows up as you get toward toward the final part of our season at SECs and, and at the NCAA championship. And Oklahoma State uh, was proof of that this year. I think they won eight or nine times. They were, they were one of the best teams we saw all year, obviously. And they just any, – any one of their guys could, could win, the, win a tournament, and that, that's what it takes. Absolutely. So you mentioned uh, a Gamecock that I definitely want to talk about. You know, one of your first Gamecocks, you said Wesley Bryan, who, you know, I would say has probably been one of the most well-known Gamecocks, obviously on the PGA Tour, has played in a ton of different events, uh, has done fairly well, has a PGA Tour win at the RBC Heritage in 2017. Um, I'm sure it's been an absolute blast for you kind of watching him, you know, move up throughout the ranks and get to where he is now today. Talk about you know, what the biggest progression you've seen from his game is uh, from when he was in college to now being a professional? Well, he, he always had a just a freaky short game, and, and he and his brother, um, George IV, they were, they were amazing to watch in college. I mean, they they were just um, in, incredible workers, always always grinding on their games and, and playing games with their wedges, uh it, it was it was always that was something Wesley always had, but I think what he's learned to do is manage his game and and what I've seen, I had a chance to go up to him last year at, at Quail Hollow at PGA Championship and he's, he's just so much more mature as a player. I mean, I think the um, I think he would probably tell you his ball striking still needs to get a little bit better or more consistent, but when when he does strike the ball, when he just gets the driver and the tee ball out in front of him, there's nobody better around the greens. One of the best putters I've ever seen. 
and um, and he has supreme confidence in him, in himself. I, I've never been around anyone that that just I mean had the, the that core belief that that he was on the right track, always doing the right things. He he just he just is, was unwavering in that, and and uh, I mean I, I I talk about him all the time to our team. He's um, it, it's just been you know you when when you have your guys come everybody that for the most part comes to our program wants to play on the PGA tour. And when you have a former player that achieves that goal and not only getting on tour, but winning, it's just, um, it's so gratifying as a coach to see uh, one of your players achieve their dreams. Yeah. I was going to say, that's gotta be really, really cool to be a, you know, player on the team. Just obviously see that someone that's been through your program and that has again, had that kind of success. It's gotta be really, really cool as a player. and Obviously as a coach as well, you know, you talked a little bit about his ball striking, obviously something I think he can, you know, he can improve on. We could, we could probably all improve on, but um, you know, obviously has had some success as a PGA tour pro with the one win. Um, you know, I think obviously the big goal for any, you know, any, anyone on the PGA tour is to win a major. Um, talk about what you think maybe he needs to do. You mentioned ball striking, but what do you think he needs to do overall to just kind of take that next step as a PGA or PGA tour pro and possibly, you know, be a major winner? Well, I think he's just, he's from my observation, he's just learning. He's really just learning how to be a PGA professional. You can see he's adjusted his, his schedule a little bit this year. So he's after a year out on tour last year, he's, he understands the courses that he likes and where he wants to play. He's um, just found out that they're they're pregnant, so so he's got a got a little girl on the way, I believe. So he's you know he's starting a family. He's got um, he's maturing into a young man, and he's and he's really as far as his career goes. You know the the um, not only is it a big step to get out there, but it's a big step to be comfortable out there and know. I mean, at the end of the day, you're a business person and you're a professional, so you want to. You want to play the events where you you know you're comfortable, and and then and then I'm sure that that the majors um, are a big priority for him. But I would think just getting better is the is the main one, and 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 continuing to um, to improve each year. So uh, the one thing about Wesley that I'm not concerned about is if he gets in contention in a major, he will not be scared to win it. Um, that Joker has got um, ice in his veins as far as when it comes, he doesn't, what do we call spit the bit? If he's got a chance to win. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna get it done. He'll fight you to the bitter end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you definitely mentioned something as well. We want to make sure we, uh, wish Wesley congratulations, obviously him and his, uh, him and his wife announcing today, they are having a child, a little girl. So we do want to wish them congratulations. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about Wesley, Brian, I'm sure you're on Twitter a good bit and, kind of follow the PGA tour. Did you teach him the, uh, the infamous club drop that he has? <laughs> no, no, but I, I was, Cause it is pretty legendary. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was actually better at teaching the club throw. We had two, we had a tomahawk <laughs> and the helicopter. I, I was always more of a promoter of the helicopter because I, I felt like you weren't going to break the club if you, if you threw it in a horizontal fashion, but um, no, I, I didn't have anything to do with the club drop. I actually was a very big supporter of Taco Bell when he was here. Um, he and I were one of the few that that um, that loved it on that team that, that liked to Taco Bell run. But um, he's been a lot of fun to watch on on social media. You know, you go back to he and George doing their trick shots and the Brian brothers mm-hmm. and all that. Um, that that was right up their alley. So uh, really proud, really proud of him, and um, excited about his future. 
Yeah, I was going to say I'm I'm a huge fan of Taco Bell myself, so I really do appreciate the uh <laughs> the Taco Bell belt that he has. And obviously the uh, the club drop where he holds the finish is definitely one that has made its rounds on made its rounds on social media a good bit. That's one that always pops up. Um last question then we'll get you out of here coach. You know, obviously we talked about Wesley Bryan, someone that I think just golf fans in general are going to know. Uh, if, if you had to pick, I guess, one Gamecock golfer, there are obviously a ton throughout the ranks as far as web.com. East Smith is from, you know, from my hometown, absolutely fantastic golfer. You know, who is the one guy that you feel like, you know, not to, not, not, to, not to try to get you to single anybody out, but who's the one guy that you feel like could be the next guy kind of up and coming that could be where Wesley Bryan is, say, in the next year or two? Well, I think, um, you know, you have to look at Matt. Neesmith, I mean, he's, to me, he, he's the most talented player I've have, had come through the program from in t- as far as a complete game. I mean, he, he really had no weaknesses. Uh, even as a, one of the first times I watched him play, watched him play as a 13 or 14-year-old or an eighth grader, I know. Um, you know, I think Matt Matt's playing in Canada and has one of those um, kind of games that I think, you know, he's starting to believe himself in himself a little bit more. I think we've had We've had quite a player come through that, you know, it's like picking your favorite child. It's, it's really hard to, to do. But, I, but Matt, um, Matt's one of those that, that just, I mean, always seemed to be, be able to uh, hit the shot when he needed to hit it, play, um, play very smart, was, was very comfortable when he was near the lead as well, um, and just really had no weaknesses in his game. So, Hopefully, hopefully he can he can get his card this year and and um, we can start seeing him on TV. Yeah, would absolutely love to see that. Obviously, for the Gamecocks and also for North Augusta, would be fantastic to see him make it. Um, well, coach, again, that's going to be pretty much all we have. I will say, last thing, I'll put my golf game on blast here for just a second. As you as you know, I went went down to Columbia this past weekend, played cobblestone. Have to say, played pretty well the front nine. Uh, I think we started on the Garnet was a one over through nine, and the black just kind of kind of a humbled me a little bit. So finished up 77. So I, I need to go back and redeem myself, but you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that. But, you know, again, we appreciate you coming on. We'd love to have you back on. It was an absolute pleasure. And again, thank you for taking the time. Oh yeah. Anytime. And um, hit me up and maybe I can help you out. We'll, uh, we'll figure out what's going on with your game. Get you better. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could use the lesson. So I, I'm a, uh, never had a lesson, so I, I'm open to it. So, <laughs> but again, he's, he's Bill McDonald, Gamecocks men's golf coach. We appreciate you guys tuning in again. Check us out on iTunes, the Stitcher app, uh, wherever you consume your podcast. Also on all our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and armchairamericans.com. You know where to find us. So again, coach McDonald, appreciate you coming on. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Stay tuned for another episode this week. We'll actually have Rob Prophet coming on the show as well to talk a little Gamecock football. Uh, until then, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will catch you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.